following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Another beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. I thought it was a beautiful day, and then this morning I was woken up abruptly by footsteps on my ceiling above me. Now, Carter, I live on the top floor, and I was like, okay, that's a little weird. Turns out it could have been. It could have been, but it wasn't, unfortunately. It was a tree cutting service at my apartment. They were trimming and cutting down trees, and there were guys on my on my roof what, this morning, and what, they what were not quiet. This, what time this morning was it? Seven thirty. Sick. I love. I was that. like, "What in the world?" I thought I was going crazy because, again, I live on the top floor of my complex in my building, and there's not supposed to be people above me. And turns out there's a tree cutting service. So that's how my day started, and it has been very very busy ever since but that's okay that's how life goes sometimes and so it's been a busy day it's going to be a very busy show here on the wednesday edition of on the line i know you've had a little bit of a crazy day yourself yeah i was late getting here because (laughs) i had the surprise visit from the waterworks board trying to tell me that i might have a leak so that's great at least it wasn't to shut your water off yeah, I, I, I pay my, my, my bills, you know. So but, proud of you, man. So proud of you. Apparently, this one might be higher, which I shouldn't have a leak. I haven't seen any issues. Uh, who knows, man? Well, <laughs> it's been one of those days, but that's okay. That's what this show is for, to get our minds off of reality and talk about sports. And do we have some things to talk about today? Auburn basketball wins last night on the road against Ole Miss. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Then at 2.30, uh, we'll talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Talk to him about the Georgia Bulldogs as they win the national championship in college football. Get his thoughts on the Georgia basketball team uh, as they have gotten into a couple of games of SEC play. Hour number two. Christian Clemente will join us in the second hour here in the studio talking all things Auburn football recruiting and transfer portal. Maybe get into some basketball with him as well. So should be a great show today. Phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. Your thoughts on Auburn's win last night over Ole Miss. We'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on it. Who played well? Who didn't? What'd you like? What'd you not like about Auburn's performance last night against Ole Miss? Give us a call. 334-321-1390. That number again. 334 334- 321 1390 and Carter Auburn goes on the road and they get a nine point win over Ole Miss 82 73 what'd you see you know we missed a little bit of the game because we were calling Lee Scott yes we did we missed like the Chris Moore injury in the first two minutes uh where he came down I'm sorry don't you mean Chris Brown (laughs) yeah that was um one of Auburn fans' favorite things to make fun of that that crew. That crew was not very good. By the they way. were not great. Um, they were not great, and they continuously referred to Chris Moore as Chris Brown, the rapper. So, in like a relatively close SEC game, they 
talked about golf for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay, though. We're not going <laughs> to, we won't harp on it too much. Uh, but yeah. So you see Chris Moore go down. Um, early, you see Janai Broom really carry this Auburn team. And I thought that that was um, really kind of vital because things weren't going well. Things weren't going well at all. I mean, you had Janai Broom in the first half, goes 5 of 7 for 12 points, had 7 rebounds, 2 assists in that stretch in time. The rest of the team goes 8 for 26. Mm. So, like, he legitimately carried you in the first half. Like, phenomenal job by him to keep you treading water, keep your head above water, uh, while that, that Ole Miss team, they had a couple guys, they had Jamin Brakefield, um, Murrell, he he played well in the first half. Both of them had 10 points. Uh, Dacian Ruffin was out there. Former Auburn commit. Mm-hmm. Um, guy who's a highly rated guy coming out of uh, high school. But you see Auburn go to half down one. And you don't feel great about it, especially with Chris Moore being banged up. Um, you You don't feel great, especially when you think about how this team played in Athens just a week before. But you know what? They came out in the second half, and they handled themselves like a top basketball team. They they handled the adversity. They handled, like, Chris Moore's not there? Okay. Alan Flanagan steps up. Again. And has his third straight good game in a row. Wendell Green, despite maybe not being efficient from the floor, he's... Has a great second half. You want to know why? He gets the free throw line mm-hmm. 11 times, hitting all 11. It's it's encouraging to see this team respond that way. By the way, I don't know if he's starting to figure it out. But I think it's a, li- it's a little bit starting to click. You see Katie Johnson in this game. He only takes five shots. Mm-hmm. He still takes one really ill advice. <laughs> like it was so bad. It was. It was so. It was. Ju- it was such like a Katie Johnson shot. He's partially open, but it's also partially um, contested, and he's not a good enough three point shooter to shoot that shot. But you also saw him going to the hole a little bit. He got a couple layups in transition, which is his game. He got to the free throw line once and missed both, but. He's got to continue to get to the free throw line. He honestly does not need to shoot threes unless he is wide open wide 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 open at the end of the shot clock yes like that needs to be last resort because it's it's not there right now when he goes towards the hoop good things happen for Mm -hmm. him i'm with you and you know again it's important to note auburn was losing by one at the half and like you said starter chris moore uh, was injured and was probably not coming back obviously did not come back and you were looking for somebody else to step up besides Jani Broom because he he played really well in the first half. He has been a go-to guy for Auburn over the last month, and he will continue to be a go-to guy for Auburn throughout the rest of this season. But you mentioned Wendell Green Jr. He played 32 minutes. Yes, he went 5 of 15 from the field. 15 shots is still too many for a point guard. I will continue to stress that. That's too many shots for a point guard. But like you said... He went 2 of 5 from 3, and he went 11 for 11 at the free throw line. That is what a point guard does. He also had three boards, or he had five boards, excuse me, two offensive, three defensive, seven assists, two turnovers. 
That yeah. is beautiful basketball. Exactly. Beautiful. Which, which is why, especially in a game where at least some shots kind of get taken off the board for the, like, in terms of, if you're thinking about it in a pie, a piece of the sliver is now missing with Chris Moore not being there. Somebody's got to take some more shots. I don't love 15 shots out of your point guard, but when he's getting to the line like he is, when he's actually, when he hits his threes, he hit some really difficult shots in the second half. Oh, yeah. And and honestly, he had a really inefficient first half where he went one of seven. Second half, he was pretty good, four of eight. Mm-hmm. I will take that. I'll I take, will take it. that 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm with you. Like, Wendell Green, he had 23 points. Again, seven assists to two turnovers, no fouls. I mean, that's that's exactly what you want. Again, nitpicking at this point right now, 15 shots is too many for me out of your point guard. But everything else, Wendell Green did extremely well. And I will be the first to admit that we were harping on this Auburn team. We've been harping on Wendell Green Jr. I said it two weeks ago he should have been benched. And then he came out and played really, really well. Or that was less than two weeks ago. That was after the Georgia game that I said he should have been benched. And he has responded extremely well. And credit to him. I said against Arkansas, maybe sit him from almost all of the first half because yeah. he was playing that poorly going into that he game. was and he and, has responded it wasn't clicking like things like mm-hmm. the fact that he was being a detriment to the team it was not resonating with him right and now and then you've seen him these last two games he has figured out a way to be an asset to his team and i think that that is huge he had three steals again last night second game in a row with three steals that's the type of effort you need out of Wendell Green and it's crazy to see the flip from not just Wendell Green Alan Flanagan like you mentioned KD Johnson he still didn't have a great night last night but the thing that stands out with KD Johnson is he wasn't as detrimental to the team when he was playing and going one for nine, turning it over five times. Or two for ten on Saturday. Two for ten on Saturday, and you, yeah. And you had three guys in Jani Broom, Wendell Green, Alan Flanagan make up for the fact that mm-hmm. he was he was that inefficient. But in a game last night where KD Johnson had zero turnovers, he played 20 minutes. Sure, he only went two for five. He only had four which, points. Which, which I'll take two for five. Absolutely. But, but, but right now, I, I, can, I will continue to say, well, one, he needs to hit his free throws. He's a better free throw shooter than... 0 for 2 and what we've seen in some spurts right now he's a pretty good free throw shooter on the whole he just hasn't gotten to the line enough right but right now I mean I don't know the last time he hit a three it feels like it's been a very 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 long time I don't know the last time he went a whole 20 minutes without turning the ball over and that's what I'm saying like (laughs) he maybe didn't have a great game last night but he didn't have a bad game and that's what's important about KD Johnson it didn't kill you right that's what that's what I'm encouraged about and you look at him you look at Wendell Green you look at Alan Flanagan, man. I'll eat my words. Alan Flanagan has played extremely well over the last three games. He's played. He's playing the best ball he's played at Auburn. I'll say that right now. He is playing the best ball that he has played at Auburn. Even back when he was the go-to guy, Alan Flanagan is playing the best team basketball that he has played since he's been at Auburn. He went 6 of 12 last night from the field, 1 of 3 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, had 5 rebounds, 2 assists. I'm holding up a 0 right now. Alan Flanagan didn't turn the ball over at all. And he had 15 points off the bench. The biggest thing for me, well, one, that second half, he's four of five, one of one from three uh, for nine points, a huge nine points that you needed. Uh, And and by by the way, I do want to mention that I love that this Auburn team kind of got in the second half Ole Miss at arm's length and just kind of kept them there. Kind of similar to how we saw against Arkansas. Yeah. 
Like, it never felt like Ole Miss was really a threat in that second right. half. There was never the a threat for them to come back. But I, I, I want to mention one thing about Alan Flanagan is he didn't have any turnovers, but he had one play that, to me, epitomizes the change in mentality, the change in effort that we're seeing out of Alan Flanagan. It was in the second half. He's going towards the rim. He goes up for a layup. It gets blocked. He hits the floor. And we've seen plenty of times in all of basketball, but Auburn's had some times where it's happened to them, where that guy who hits the floor after after he gets a shot blocked, he gets up and he's kind of loafing back. He's jogging back. Shrugging his shoulders, complaining, throwing his hands. At certain points in his career, Alan Flanagan would have been one of those guys. But you know what he did? He got up, he sprinted back, and he got a steal. He picked somebody's pocket, going the and you got that steal. And so it turned out to be a net nothing after he got his shot blocked. That said a lot to me about what Alan Flanagan has become here in the last week and a half. Mm-hmm. And think about that with what Alan Flanagan said last night in the pro in the post game presser. He said they had a team meeting and they talked about after the it was after the Georgia game. Mm-hmm. They had a team meeting and they were all saying how they needed to give effort, give and somebody to care and yep. for this team to fight a little bit. And they sure have against Arkansas and now against Ole Miss and it seems like in an in an un a crazy turn of events in in literally a week because today a week ago today is when was when Auburn beat Georgia or Auburn lost to Georgia on the road this team has played back-to-back games extremely well and the energy and the mindset and the attitude with the Auburn team the media us included covering the Auburn team the Auburn fan base it all seems to have turned in the matter of a week and credit to the players for for changing their attitude as well because it would have been really really easy after that Georgia loss to just say well we're just not that good of a team uh we're just going to get hammered by Arkansas screw this we I don't even care whatever and have a really really bad season but Auburn's already turned it around that Arkansas game is showing and proving how big of a win that was Auburn wins on the road at Ole Miss last night in a game where sure they were losing at the half but they came back in the second half and they were leaps and bounds the better team over Ole Miss and like Carter said there was really never a threat for Ole Miss to come back in this game. Even being on the road, Auburn played well. I'm impressed. Auburn's Janai Broom, Wendell Green, and, K- and uh, Alan Flanagan are three guys that make this team go. And somebody said it on Twitter last night, and I can't remember who it was, so I can't give credit, but they're exactly right. As crazy as it sounds, the three guys that determine what Auburn does the rest of the season and in the tournament if they get there, Janai Broom, Wendell Green, and Alan Flanagan. How they roll is how this Auburn team will roll. And that's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I This Auburn team feels like it's gelling finally. It feels like it's figured out its identity. By the way, the way this team played in the second half offensively, really, really impressive. Uh, just five turnovers in the second half. We've seen some games where Auburn's gotten close to 20, if not above that number. That's when Auburn has to be uh, very high octane on offense and just rain from three to, st- to stay in those games. Auburn, 17 of 28 in the first in the second half of this game for 60.7%, three of six from three, and you go 11 of 14 at the line. 
You for the game, eighteen of twenty-two at the free throw line. That might be the best percentage we've seen out of this team all year. Oh, I'd put money on it. I would definitely put money on it. That Auburn, that's the best percentage. Wendell and Green they, just having ice in his veins to step up and hit every single free throw and then not, not even touch the rim is huge. Yep, and Auburn shot as a team 49%, which a lot of people would not say is great as a team. For this Auburn team, that's pretty good. For the game, I'll, I'll, I'll take 49% out of Auburn every single time. Absolutely. If Auburn shoots 49% for the rest of the year, Auburn's going to go 13-5. and five. 14 and 4 in SEC play mm-hmm. because of the defense that they have. No doubt. Now, something to keep an eye on is what happens going forward with Chris Moore? Like how banged up is he? Yeah. And I where do you it, where do you go if he can't go? It depends on what the injury is. It depends on the severity. Do you dare um, go Alan Flanagan? Oh, Alan Flanagan's the starter now because Chris Moore's out and he's earned it over the last week and a half. And I do think I was um, listening to Daryl Daffrich on Locked on Auburn, I think he made a really good point last night where he said, maybe with the way that Allen's played and the praise that he's getting, maybe you see him really settle in and even take it up to like sustain this high level of play because for the next little bit, if Chris Moore's out, he's not looking over his shoulder. He's not worried about getting put on the bench like he had at the beginning of the year. Which is fair, but I think to play a little devil's advocate there before we get to break, what if Alan Flanagan is playing this way because he was benched and because he has something to prove and play for coming off the bench? Does he lose that mentality and does he lose that hunger becoming a starter again? I think it's it's going to be interesting to see. I would doubt it. I would doubt it, personally. We'll have to find out. You just yep. don't know until we see it because... Alan Flanagan is probably going to be the go-to now that Chris Moore is hurt. We don't know the timetable on him, uh, but we will keep you updated as we learn throughout the next couple of days and next couple of weeks. 334-321-1390. Talking more Auburn basketball, more college basketball when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. A little bit of bad news. Jordan Hill will not be joining us. He is on a plane right now and sounds like he was caught up in the craziness of was the he still cancel- out in la mm-hmm. wow yeah i think so it's what it sounded like you got to hang out there for an extra day yeah time. it's what it sounded like um yeah That's he's, what- <laughs> i'm in the and i quote i'm in the middle of a flight fiasco in california so Yes. <laughs> I'm going to mess with him. I would when assume that's where he is. Next week when we have, an all, have him on, I'm going to mess with him that this is what happens when you get a little greedy and try to stay for an extra day. Yeah, that's what you get for <laughs> going to cover in Georgia in the National Championship game. Now, so uh, hopefully everything works out for him, and uh, hopefully he's able to get back to Athens at some point. But uh, no Jordan Hill today, so we'll pick back up with him next week. Uh, but talking more about Auburn basketball, and we'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us your thoughts on Auburn's win last night now that Auburn has won this game they are 13 and 3 right they're 13 and 3 overall they are let's see 3 and 1 in SEC play going into the game against Mississippi State on Saturday how do you feel about the mentality of this Auburn team question of the day how do you feel about the mentality of this team because it has obviously shifted from a week ago 
after the loss to Georgia to last night's performance. So how do you feel about where this team is mentally going into the back half of January? I think this team has come together in a way that is extremely encouraging. When you look at this Auburn team, I think that they have figured out kind of how they want to play ball um, here recently. By the way, something we didn't mention in that first segment, a week ago against Georgia, I think Auburn shot 28 threes, and we're not hitting them at a good clip at all. They still only shot 29% last night, but they only shot 14 threes. Mm -hmm. And they scored 82 points. By doing that, you drastically change your points in the paint. Auburn scored 82 points. 46 of that came in the paint. Which we haven't seen that out of Auburn in a while. Which is good. It should be exactly. more. Exactly. Auburn should score three fourths of their points in the paint. I think the fact that this team has figured out that okay, we're we we know we're not a three point shooting team. It's not. It's just not how we roll anymore. No. There's only a couple guys that have the green light to shoot a three, and right now it's Wendell Green, Zeb Jasper, uh, Jalen Williams, and Alan Flanagan. Really, uh, Yoan took one that was not great. Uh, but he did get a bucket tonight. By the way, I think I think his plus minus turned out to be pretty good. I think he was plus mi- plus nine in nine minutes on the court. Good for him. That's maybe the best performance. That's probably we've seen the best him. one we've seen from him. Yeah, um, probably. But this team feels like it's starting to figure out its identity. Uh, it feels like it's getting more physical. The fact that you go on the road and you out rebound Ole Miss by ten. Tells me you're being more physical with the fact that you outscore them in the paint by 20. Those are the things that this team needs to do to be successful. And I'm encouraged by that. You you really dominate the stats in this game. 12 offensive boards. 12 offensive boards. The second chance points, you would hope for that to be a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. But everything else, you are very encouraged by. The number that I'm most encouraged by is the turnover numbers. Mm-hmm. You only turned it over 10 times on the road in the SEC. Now, 10's uh, still, that's a, a decent well, they, amount. they turned it eight, over 18 times the last two games. Exactly. They only turned it over 10 times on the road in the SEC. You'll take that. You'd like it to be lower, right? You'd like for it to not be double digits, but you still win the turnover battle because Ole Miss turned it over 11 times, which is still not bad. But Auburn only turning it over 10 times where, like you said, they've turned it over 18 to 20 times in most of their games this year. We saw them play at USC where they turned it over a bunch, right? 10 times turning it over on the road. I'm okay with that. You'd like it to be lower, but I'm okay with that. And that's why I'm impressed with what Auburn has done over the last week. And it's all mental. It's all mental with this team because we know this team has talent. We know that. We know that Janai Broom is talented. We know that Alan Flanagan is talented. We know that Wendell Green is talented. We know that these guys can play the game of basketball. They wouldn't have made it this far if they couldn't. But it was not coming together for them as a team. They were not playing to their strengths. They were not playing together. They were not playing smart basketball at all. But they're starting to figure it out a little bit. And like you said, they're starting to find their identity, which is we're going to play lockdown hammer defense on you, and we're going to go inside to the paint and try to get to the free throw line. We'll shoot a three here and there, and we may make one, and you have to defend us out there, but we're not going to shoot 30 times. I hope this is the mentality. We're not going to shoot it 30 times from the three-point line anymore. I hope that Auburn's mentality continues to be, we're going to feed our best player, Janai Broom. We're going to get to the free throw line, and darn it, we're going to make them when we get there. Yeah. I tell you what, this 
silver lining um, while this team is figuring out who they are, while you're getting the production out of Alan Flanagan, Wendell Green, Janai Broom, Chris Moore goes down. I don't think it's a season-ending injury. Um, I think he's going to miss some time, just what my gut says. The silver lining is the schedule right now in this portion of the re- of the regular season of SEC play is a little bit manageable for the fact that you'll be down a key piece. You got Mississippi State at home, LSU on the road, who by the way is has now lost three straight. Mm-hmm. South Carolina on the road. Talk about that in a little bit too. Yes, we'll talk college basketball coming up. Still easily the worst team in the SEC in my opinion. A and M at home. An A&M team that I think is a little overinflated, 2-0 in conference play right now. I don't think they played last night, did they? I don't, A&M? I think, no, I, think they I don't played think so. Tonight. Yeah, they play Missouri tonight. That'd be a good one. They're actually four-and-a-half-point favorites. But, like, things, you get West Virginia on the road, Georgia at home, and then that Tennessee game. If you can get Chris Moore back by then in, in the rotation, you should be fine. We'll talk more college basketball and talk the SEC when we come back. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Well, if you missed the announcement, we normally have Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He is currently stuck in California on the West Coast in the uh, airplane disaster that's been going on across the United States. So uh, our thoughts go out to him. Hopefully he's doing okay out there in California. Maybe he'll get back on this side of the country uh, at some point, but uh, man, what a disaster that is! That um, all planes were grounded this morning in the country. I mean, that is just yeah, it's crazy. That's unbelievable. So um, hopefully, none of you are caught up in that. And, and if you are, you've got us to listen to for a couple of hours. Uh, yeah, I guess somebody theoretically could be listening on the app. Yeah, on the plane, app. Or, yeah, a grounded plane on yeah. the yeah. ESPN one zero six seven app, ESPNAU.com, man. You can listen <laughs> anywhere you want to go. You can go to Korea if you want to and listen to it. I don't care what you do. So. Hopefully, uh, Jordan Hill is able to get back here on the other side of the country. So we will not talk to him today. Uh, We'll talk to him about Georgia football and basketball next week. But we've been talking about Auburn basketball. Of course, they win last night at Ole Miss. But some pretty big results in college basketball last night. There's some big games in college basketball tonight that we want to get to as well. Uh, Just sort of looking at the scores from last night. Number two, Kansas. Uh, They are able to hold on and beat Oklahoma 79-75 in Allen Fieldhouse. Oklahoma had a lead late. Kansas was able to get the lead and win. How about Vanderbilt giving Tennessee a run for their money? Carter, the stat that you told me in the first half was unbelievable for this Vanderbilt team. So, yeah, let me me pull it up again just so I can see what the halftime score was. I believe... Vanderbilt had 39 points at the half. 39-37 lead at half, and the starters had three points that's unbelievable that is unbelievable there's i mean is that that doesn't happen i don't think think i've ever seen that before i don't think i've ever seen that either where the bench guys just came in and lit it up and and look i mean tennessee did tennessee things in the second half and what they won the second half by 11 
Uh, but they went on some runs there. They had a 14-point lead in the second half after being down two at the half, and uh, actually a 15-point lead there in the last uh, five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Tennessee pulls away for a nine-point lead over Vanderbilt. Tennessee, of course, the number five team in the country. They sit at 14-2. and They are still undefeated 4-0 and in SEC play, and They were supposed to have a really big game coming up this Saturday. They play Kentucky, but the Wildcats... It's at home, right? Yeah, it is at home. Yeah. It's going to be probably going to be a little nasty because the result in Lexington last night uh, was not what anybody expected. I told you yesterday that Kentucky was favored by 19 and a half against South Carolina, and I said, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points to be favored by for Kentucky. Well, sure enough, South Carolina goes on the road to Rupp Arena and they beat Kentucky 71-68. The worst team in the SEC gets their first victory in the Southeastern Conference. By the way, I don't know if you've kept up with it. Um, I think I think Kentucky fans are starting to turn on Oscar Sheway. Oh, they have. In his, in his post-game press conference, he apparently said multiple times that during the game... He was begging for Cal to put players on the court that would fight. He put he was begging and, for walk-ons to be put yes. in. And yet, if you can look, apparently he is miserable on defense right now. He's just giving no Oh, it's effort. bad. And and Kentucky fans are turning on him not quite as fast as they've turned on Cal. But yeah, Cal, things are not great. Well, I didn't get to watch the South Carolina-Kentucky game. We were calling Lee Scott last night, so we didn't get to watch this game. But in the Kentucky-Alabama game... Shibway, he started, and Cal pulled him and put him on the bench. He'd let him sit for four or five minutes, put him back in after one defensive play. Literally one play that Shibway was on the floor. He got blown by for a layup. Cal pulled him out right then, benched him for four or five more minutes. And he did that all day long because Shibway's energy was zero. He was a negative player on the floor for Kentucky. The reigning player of the year in college basketball is a negative right now for Kentucky. And South Carolina goes on the road. They're 8-8. Eight and eight. They get their first win in the SEC. They go to Rupp, and they beat Kentucky 71-68. to 68. Don't know if you saw this. Kentucky, uh, the workers at Rupp Arena... They ejected somebody in the stands last night. Did you see why? He was holding a sign that said, go to Texas. And that was pointed at Cal. The Kentucky fans have really started getting impatient with Calipari. They've been like this for a couple of years, right? This has been building since Kentucky has disappointed year after year after year. And last year was really that point where Kentucky fans were like, okay, this is unacceptable with how the tournament went last year for Kentucky losing in the first round. Not cool, right? So they have really turned on John Calipari at Kentucky. I think his tenure and his time at Kentucky is coming to an end. I just oh, don't know how is. long it's going to be because absolutely is. they're paying him a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But Kentucky fans have just given in, as far as I know, and if you're a Kentucky fan listening to this and you are one of those people against Calipari or if you're for Calipari, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We need to reach out to uh, Lance Dahl, who does Locked On Kentucky, and get his (laughs) thoughts on all this going on right now for Kentucky basketball. But, man, what in the world's going on in Lexington? By the way, there's uh, an article by Jeff Goodman on uh, Mm WatchStadium.com where there is an anonymous coach... Uh, anonymous head coach after playing Kentucky, it, this is speculation, 
it feels like it's Nate Oates to me. But, quote, I think he's lost the players. Their offense is so blank. He doesn't run anything for their guards. He has no idea how to use Casey Wallace. They should still be getting the best. They should still be getting the best talent, and they have enough talent right now to finish in the top three or four in the SEC. Man, somebody. So that um, that blank is everybody's favorite um, S word, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So he's saying that the yeah. offense is miserable and, and they don't use the guards and things are horrible, horrible for this uh, Kentucky team. And um, it's not going to get better. No. It's not going to get better. Because I just said they got to play the number five team of the country on the road this Saturday. Number two in Kimpom, by the way, which is even worse. Gosh. Like they're, they're That's going to be nasty inside of Thompson Bowling. And also keep in mind, do you know who they play at the end of the month? Number two, Kansas. Oh, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Ooh, yes, is it get, in Allen Fieldhouse? Uh, no, it is in Rupp. Oh, well, that doesn't mean anything. South Carolina just won there. Wasn't it last year that Kentucky went to Allen Fieldhouse and just torched that Kansas team? Is that Am what that I was? Am I crazy about that? Or I, I think that happened. Um, but it's they're going to take some lumps here. Uh, if they don't rebound, because look, they get Tennessee, then they get Georgia at home. You should be able to win that game. You should. You, we we said that about South Carolina, though. I don't know. I mean, they are sitting here. What one in three in conference play? Mm-hmm. They get a home trip from A and M after that. Then they go to Vanderbilt. They have to come out of that stretch three and zero. Because if they don't, they're going to lose to Kansas. Then they got a road trip to Ole Miss, Florida. Then you get to Arkansas. You you get some teams here. It's really interesting. Their schedule is really nicely spaced out. Really nicely spaced out. Where like, they get like a tough game, nice, easy two or three, well, tough they, game. Let's, let's think about it. I mean, they had Missouri on the road. They lost that. Then, then they have the nice little space of Louisville. So got that breather. Then they got LSU. Then Alabama. Then South Carolina, that was supposed to be easy. Then Tennessee. Then you get a few games off. Then you get Kansas, a few games off. Arkansas, a few games off. Tennessee, then Florida, then Auburn. That's the toughest stretch. Tennessee at Florida, Auburn is the mm-hmm. hardest three three games that this team plays. Let me ask you this. That fan got ejected last night because of the sign that said, go to Texas. soft. Does Texas even consider John Calipari right now? I don't think I would. I think I it's would, crazy to say, but I don't think I, think I would. He's the most overrated coach in college basketball, and I think he's been that for years. And for some reason, we don't sit down and have that conversation. Well, why would you go after a guy who gets the most talent every single year and can't win? Why yeah. would you go after that guy? Yeah. Sure, he's going to bring in talent. He is not going to bring in more talent at Texas than he has at Kentucky in his tenure. He has brought in the best talent in his that. tenure at Kentucky he's, that anybody he, ever has. He could bring in the exact same talent. He could. I it could because of the Kentucky has that prestige of mm-hmm. being the blue blood, the dominant program in college basketball, dominant program in right. the SEC. Texas has more resources, right? But he's done it so well at Kentucky, like you can't do it any better. Than exactly, that. exactly. And I, he's like, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I just, I this would be really, really. And he's stupid. old. He's old. He's this been coaching be, college basketball a long time, man. It would be the most Texas move ever. It really to would pass over some of these coaches right now that are showing you that they can 
They can win national championships at your school. Nate Oates is the prime example of that for me. No doubt about it. And if you go get Cal, that doesn't do anything for me. Texas gets Cal, Nate Oates to Kentucky. Wouldn't that be wild? Kentucky would crawl over broken glass for him right now. I think anybody would. Not anybody. Most college basketball programs would right now. Yeah, but like, Nate Oates is capable of winning a national championship at Kentucky or Texas. Yeah. I would prefer that be at Texas because then you keep keep (laughs) Kentucky, uh, Cal at Kentucky, or they have to scramble and do something else. The longer that Kentucky can be grounded on earth is fine with me. And right now, uh, they might figure it out at some point. Buildings are burning right now in Lexington, Kentucky. Looking around the SEC and college basketball yesterday and today, how about Florida with a nice win on the road at LSU? A team that LSU we thought was going to be solid. They started quickly out the gate, and now they're one and three, just like that in SEC play. Yeah, I mean, this is. I don't know. I feel like the SEC is just going to be wild this it's year. It's going to be wild. It, it really, really is. And that was a big result last night. And you look at tonight's schedule because obviously the SEC, the they schedule, play Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturdays. The basketball schedule tonight is actually going to be pretty entertaining. I think it's going to be good. You've Mississippi got, State, Georgia, I think it could be interesting on the SEC are, network. There are four games that jump out to me across the country that I think could be really, really, maybe five. They could be really, really fun. Number four, Alabama. On the road at number 15, Arkansas. We know what this Razorbacks team is. We know they're missing some guys, but they're did still see, really talented. Did you see that Arkansas is a one-point favorite in that game? They are, which... A little surprising to me. Do they know something we don't? Is there somebody out for Bama that we don't know about? I don't know. But if I'm a betting man, I think I'm going to take Alabama. They've played pretty well this year, and that team is a lot more talented than Arkansas. They're a lot better offensively than Arkansas, and I think Alabama wins tonight on the road. That'll be a fun one to watch in the SEC. Can Arkansas bounce back and get a big win in the SEC because – They have a tough schedule as well. You look at it, obviously, they're coming off a loss to Auburn. Then they have to play Alabama tonight. They have to go on the road at Vanderbilt, not too bad. On the road at Missouri, Arkansas needs a win, and Alabama is just barreling through people right now. I don't see how Arkansas wins even being at home. Yeah, I'm taking Bama. They are very long. They'd have to really frustrate Alabama on the defensive end but and even on a Anthony bad night Black has to do what he did on Saturday even on a bad night for Alabama offensively they're still scoring 80 to 85 points yeah and I don't know if Arkansas can do that now Alabama can't play defense but they can <laughs> score out they can outscore anybody I think this would be a track meet tonight in Fayetteville looking forward to that one you have number That'll six UConn number 25 Marquette Big East basketball man I love it absolutely love it that'll be a fun one Creighton Xavier that's a good one as well Xavier number 12 Creighton in the country at one point was a top 10 team now they're nine and seven oh and three yeah in conference play yeah How about that I know they've dropped like a rock it's crazy but yet Xavier's only a two and a half point favorite tonight I think that's giving respect to Creighton as a really talented team they are they got a lot of talent they're really well coached as well Pittsburgh and Duke that's a sneaky one in the ACC Duke number Pitt 24 has been kind of nasty in ACC play three and one when when they beat Northwestern, I thought that was the worst loss of the year for for Northwestern. And then Pitt has kind of been really really good since then. They lost their last time out against Clemson, By but one. started four and zero 
before that in conference play. Yes, they or have. They're 3-0. Oh. Yep, yes. They're now 3-1 and one in conference play. Really good basketball on tonight. I love college basketball. It's just so much fun. Baylor, West Virginia, sneaky good in the Big 12. So there are some really, really good college basketball games tonight. Some big ones in the Southeastern Conference. Obviously, Auburn fans want to keep an eye on Alabama and Arkansas. Let's get to a break. We'll come back, get to the phone lines. Missouri, Texas A&M, we mentioned it earlier. TCU, Texas, I mean... There's great basketball on all night long. We'll get to the phone lines when we come back. Wrap up the Wednesday edition, hour number one, here on On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Connor, you're on the line, man. Welcome in. Hey, how's it going? It's going well, man. Uh, just calling in. I'm a lifelong Kentucky fan. Uh-oh. And, uh, Uh-oh. I, I, yeah, I know. I disagree a little bit about the comment that Kentucky would crawl through glass to hire Nate Oates. Okay. Uh, I know he's like the young guy new hot shot in college basketball but what do you like i'm just wondering on your opinion on what has he done besides just put up a lot of points and not really hasn't really done anything in the tournament like what do you think he's accomplished that that makes him that um that valuable to kentucky i know cal's not the answer right now but well i mean i mean i think first thing you you look at the fact that alabama is i guess a solid basketball program in the sec but they're but they're not they're not. They don't have the ceiling that Kentucky has. He did win the SEC regular season and tournament two years ago. Had a really good team that was what a two seed. I think they went to the Elite Eight. Uh, and this year, right now, he looks like he's got one of the best two teams in the conference. Very capable of winning the conference again and the conference tournament again, and capable of a deep run yet again. He's gone. I mean, I think he has elevated an Alabama basketball program that has been kind of stuck in kind of fringe tournament to underwhelming for a while and he has elevated their ceiling I think he's got a certain ruthlessness to him from the aspect that from last year I think he saw a lot of fat on his roster a lot of things that were not helping his program and I think he cut all that fat and he upgraded all over the place and that's why he's got a team that's 13 and 2 3 and 0 in conference play and looks primed to be one of the top two teams in this conference for the entire season. Yeah, I get all your points. And, yeah, you're right. He's a great coach. I'm just thinking that, well, first off, the grass isn't always greener, which is why That's fair. I'm a little hesitant to let go of Cal with the recruiting class coming in. And when you really look at it, besides a team that had lost its groove last year due to injuries throughout the season, losing early, despite that last year and the horrendous COVID year, you're, you're looking at a team – when the, the year when the tournament was canceled because of COVID, you got a team that was primed to probably be at least an Elite Eight team, just the way they were trending. Yeah. So yeah. I and think our – go ahead. No, well, I was going to say, but think about it this way, man. Nate Oates, he's bringing in top level. He's bringing in ESPN 100 guys to Alabama, a, a school that puts 100% of their money in football, right? Think about if Nate Oates – was at Kentucky where they put 100% of their money into basketball. And if you were to put Nate Oates in position with the talent that Kentucky brings in, which is better than just about anybody in the country, Cal has Cal has come up short. He's He has one national championship, right? That's great. He should have multiple 
national championships. And I think you would agree with me, being a Kentucky fan, I think Nate Oates can win national championships at Kentucky at the rate that Calipari should have been doing in his time there. I agree, and I think to that point, I honestly think Cal should have three championships right mm-hmm. now. No, I'm with and you. I think yeah. a lot of Kentucky fans would agree. But I'm just worried that this next tire has got to be an absolute home run. And honestly, if, if, we're, if Kentucky looks to go the young, hot shot, up-and-coming coach, honestly, I'd take Musselman over Oates. I'm not sure. I'm curious what your opinion on that Musselman. is. Musselman, okay. What, what's your, I'm not hating on it. What's your reason for us? Well, he's got back-to-back elite eights. Yeah, um, yeah. I know. I know. Oates has taken Bama to Elite Eight. Musselman out recruited Kentucky last year, and I would have to actually double check the rankings because Oates might have also out recruited Cal. But it is also a new transfer portal era, and Kentucky had a lot of returners, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't really rely too much on that. But Musselman had a insane roster uh, turnover last year. They, I think they lost. They lost a couple of guys, but I think they brought in like four or five top one hundred recruits two or three transfers. I just, I don't know. I see, I see Bama's run and gun shoot majority threes offensive style to maybe not be as sustainable as uh, what Musselman's put in place in Arkansas. Yeah, which is so, fair. And this year's Arkansas team was going to be the most talented team in college basketball before all the injuries happened. I think they, they were going to be right there with with this Duke team on paper because mm-hmm. uh, John Shire's brought in so much talent at Duke and that does not appear to be fully gelling right now. It'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. To your point about Arkansas and how they recruited, yes, like Muss recruited his butt off this past year. He had the number two class behind Duke. He had three five stars in that class. Alabama was third. So like it's not like Alabama was that far off. Arkansas right. went and got three five stars. They had all six of their recruits in the top 106 uh alabama went out in the top i think i think they signed five guys four of them were high school guys where they went and got top guys in the top 80 uh top 79 actually but and then they went and got a juco power forward both guys both went out there and got some uh talented players via the transfer portal um (laughs) you actually must i don't think i've ever i think i looked at this last year i've never seen a coach Turnover his roster more from year to year than Musk does. Mm-hmm. He went and got six freshmen, and then he got five transfers. Yeah, it was, and I think also, I'm honestly kind of torn between whether or not basketball is trending towards um, loading up in the portal or if it's still recruiting heavy. Because I think with Kentucky, well, this also has a little bit to do with Cal's archaic offense. Somewhat is that his mm-hmm. offense is so reliant on playmakers to get their own shot yeah. that getting these mid-major transfer guys or guys that don't have star potential and are, are always going to be capped at high-level role players kind of like a cj frederick antonio reeves that we've had this year right it's true that that's not working at all yeah well yeah. Well, well cal has gone after high school kids and that's just what he does connor man it's great to hear from you we're up against a break we hate to let you go but we got to get to our number one break hey great to hear from a kentucky fan as uh tensions are rising in lexington we'll talk about auburn football recruiting coming up in hour number two the following is an auburn network production
on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well as we are halfway through the week. It's a nice day here in Auburn. We've had nice weather over the last couple of days. Hope you're all doing well as hour number one is officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, lots of college basketball talk. We obviously talked Auburn's win over Ole Miss last night on the road. We talked some of the other big results in college basketball. Uh, We talked about the uh, burning bridges in Lexington as John Calipari and Kentucky lose to South Carolina last night. We had a Kentucky fan call in and talk to us a little bit, so that was exciting as well. So if you missed any of that from the first hour, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast, commercial-free, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for On the Line, or you can go to ESPNAU.com and click on the Podcast Center. Well, as promised here in hour number two, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, joined by Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, the recruiting guru in Auburn and really in the country Christian how are you brother doing pretty good you know I was considering skipping out and going out to the driving range oh but wow no there's wow. no better it is a beautiful day outside. it is a yeah. nice day no but there's no other better place to be besides here wow so. you don't have to lie on the radio like that that's okay <laughs> but we appreciate you and your time as always coming by and talking recruiting it's been busy man I know you have been lighting it up and on top of just about everything that happens when it comes to recruiting transfer portal we are going to get into all of that coming up here in hour number two phone lines are open if you want to call in talk recruiting talk transfer portal with christian or with us you're more than welcome to do so we'd love to hear from you we're about to get to the phone line so that number is 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 ed we'll start hour number two with you you're on the line hey guys uh, hey thanks for taking uh this call and uh, uh real quick i'm just gonna say cal uh, perry you know uh, uh, just going back just for a second uh, yeah, you know he, he's got egg all over his face. You know, saying that they're a basketball school and the Kentucky football team was more competitive than what basketball and and Alabama don't you know don't build that facility and stuff. They, Kentucky might take NATO. You're right about that. Yeah, but but uh, but but uh, on on to football recruiting. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I was just—I've been real pleased with you know the, the little small running back scat back, you know, and he's you know kickoff returner and, and stuff, and the tall receiver. Uh, you, you really can't hardly—it's hard to find anything to complain about, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just wondered if, if you thought they were. Any chance? Just what do you think? I I know it's getting down to brass tacks now. I I know that Jeremiah Cobb is, you know, pretty much nailed in. Uh, I was just going to ask if y'all had any idea where the last few spots may go and 
and I'll hang up and listen and War Eagle goes. Oh, I appreciate, appreciate the call. That. It's always good to hear from you. Christian, your your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think um, you know, in terms of high school guys, I really don't have a lot of names that they're still pursuing. Um I think Jeremiah Cobb, I'm one hundred percent confident he'll sign on February first. Um, you know, in terms of transfer guys, I think there's still a decent amount of spots they want to fill. I know for a fact they want to get a quarterback and they will get a quarterback. I think they'll still go after another wide receiver. I think two more offensive linemen are on the board um, as potentially picking up another guard and another offensive tackle. I think you could pick up one more defensive tackle, probably two more edge rushers, a linebacker, and maybe a DB, as surprising as that sounds. I think they're still interested in a transfer DB. Um, so you know, you'll see those maybe in the next week or two, and then you'll see a decent amount of that after spring practice. Because keep in mind, there's going to be attrition on Auburn's roster as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. guys won't mesh with the new staff. Guys will lose a starting spot, won't be on the depth chart wherever they want to be, kind of just however that shakes out. So after spring um, will be interesting as well. And Auburn has set itself up really, really well, where if it doesn't get a quarterback right now, you look at the roster that Hugh Freeze and this offensive staff has built, I mean, a quarterback should want to come to Auburn not only because of Hugh Freeze's offensive system, but you look at the offensive line, there's an actual offensive line now. You've got a nice little room of running backs. The receiver room is starting to take shape, and I think you'll still pick up another guy there. The tight end room is stacked. So uh, Auburn sits in a good spot to get a quarterback, and that's i mean, that's obviously where all the eyes are now in terms of transfer guys. Do you see, and you may have mentioned it, and I may have just missed it in the positions that you were listing off, do you see Auburn getting another receiver via the yes. transfer portal? Yeah. Okay, that's... That's something that I think Auburn still does need, kind of like a veteran guy, because Auburn hasn't, I mean, I've talked about this, I talked about this on the drive last week, when's the last time Auburn had a legitimate number one receiver that you were like, okay, one-on-one, third and six, You're choosing I can our rely guy. on yeah. somebody to go win a true one-on-one, it hasn't kind been of since, Seth Williams, kind has, of, yeah, it hasn't been but since I would say Seth Duke Williams. Williams. For like would be the last one for me where I was where I really felt confident in Auburn uh, having a guy who could be that go to if the quarterback is in trouble they know they have to go they have one guy that they can rely on. Well, I think it's important to note too that now that you can it, it's it's nice for us and we've mentioned this time and time again that we can sit here and we're going to get into more of it. We can sit here and point at the positions where Auburn needed help, needs help, and will get help. And they, we have confidence that Auburn's actually going to go and get the guys to fill those holes. And we've seen that in the transfer portal. We're going to talk about that right now. We'll get into the high school recruiting as that is sort of wrapping up here in just a little bit. But Christian, in most of the rankings, Auburn is two, three, maybe even one, the best school that has used the transfer portal when it comes to transfer portal rankings. They have gone and gotten some absolute dudes out of the transfer portal. Yeah, it's been really impressive to watch, honestly. Um, I think in our rankings, Auburn's number three behind Colorado, who has 20 commitments, so double Auburn's. 21 now, apparently. 21, okay. Wow. So, yeah, so yeah double Auburn's um, and Florida State, who a lot of kind of coined as the kings of the transfer portal. Is so it UCLA around there, too? I think UCLA's up there as well. They are um, number eight. Okay. Hmm. okay. I thought well, they were higher than that. You know what's interesting to me? The actual self-proclaimed king of the transfer portal – Ole Miss is 19th. Hmm. After a subpar recruiting class, you would think that, that they would have to be a lot higher than that. You know, you would think, but Ole Miss <laughs> yeah. is struggling a little bit right now. They are. I don't think vibes yeah. are great in Auburn. <laughs> but again, Auburn is just, they're killing it in the transfer portal. Yes, it's like every position outside of quarterback, 
you know, a lot of people were like, well, Auburn needs to get a quarterback so that so that way people, you know, at these other positions, like a receiver, like offensive lineman, you know, would flock to Auburn because of the quarterback. So far it's flipped. Auburn hasn't been able to get a quarterback partially because of bad luck and partially they just missed on Devin Leary. Is it surprising to you that it's gone that way? Because yes. that's a logical way to think. Yes, it's actually pretty surprising to me. Offensive line is not necessarily that surprising because if you just look at it, it's like, well, you're just about guaranteed a starting spot on an SEC West school. Um, but, you know, picking up like Brian Batie, Nick Mardner, Rivaldo Fairweather, like getting those guys, that's pretty impressive without a quarterback. Well, you have Robbie Ashford, obviously. But a lot of eyes are on a transfer quarterback. I was about to say you're about to make some. Yeah. You're about to make there's, a group of Auburn fans extremely mad if you didn't a clarify. Decent portion of the Auburn <laughs> fan base that, and I don't. I don't agree with this mindset at all. But it's like, oh well, you have your quarterback, and you don't want to upset Robbie Ashford. You don't want to hurt his feelings, no. I guess. And 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 my opinion of that is, if you are worried about well, one, Robbie Ashford's already transferred. He can't go anywhere without sitting out a year anyway. So you know, and he's close to home. That was part of the reason why he came from Oregon to Auburn. And if you're worried about hurting his feelings in competition, he's probably not going to be that special of a guy anyway. That's just my opinion on it. Look, quarterback competition makes everybody better. Bonix didn't have it for the last two years of his Auburn career once Joey Gatewood left, and he kind of got worse And in some aspects. And he went to Oregon, and he had a competition in a much better offense for his skill set and went off. Yes, exactly. You don't need, like... (laughs) Like when Bo Nix was being challenged by Grant Loy and Cord Sandberg for the starting quarterback <laughs> job, that's not wow. what you want. And like right now, it would be Robbie Ashford, Holden Gurner, who has very little experience, and Hank Brown, who will have no experience when he arrives in the summer. So interesting, and, because there is the article by Nathan King yeah, this morning right. that TJ Finley's back. And I want to ask you, do you read anything into that? Honestly, because I don't expect him to be on the roster. I expect him to transfer out at the end of the spring when he graduates I'm honestly a little surprised with some of the public comments that he's made about the program and leaving the team for a while. I'm surprised he came back at all and was honestly allowed to come back. Uh, I guess I'm not overly surprised because it's a new coaching staff, and so they're probably not going to just throw him to the wolves. Uh, Carter, I would agree with you just in the sense I think he'll go through spring practice. You know, the staff, I mean, honestly, they need quarterbacks because he'll be your third scholarship (laughs) guy in the spring. Allow him to go through the spring. You know, maybe maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and he stays. That seems pretty doubtful. Um, mm, yeah. But in all likelihood, he goes through the spring and then he's eligible to be a graduate transfer um, and he can move on again. And looking at Auburn going after transfer portal quarterbacks, it has been it's been a process. This has been the one position where Auburn has swung and not hit a double, triple, or a home run because their home run guy was well, not mean, able to come to Auburn. They single because they haven't landed a exactly, quarterback. Exactly. They're about 0 for 4 right now and, and going 0 for 5 if they're not careful because they obviously went after Grayson McCall. That didn't work because of academic reasons, yeah, which is very unfortunate. a disaster. In, he, in, yeah, he's, it, you know, if academics are an issue, he's in Auburn right now. Uh, yeah literally in Auburn on the team like that that's a thing like he's enrolled in classes it would not be even be an issue and of course Auburn missed out on that and it's not the first time that Auburn athletics has missed on somebody big because of that issue right I mean we saw yeah. the, we saw the basketball uh version of that as well and so Auburn went after him that didn't work you saw a couple of other guys that Auburn went after didn't go their way they either backed out or they went a different way Right, it, it's been a process for Auburn to go after a quarterback right now. Christian, oh. I, I I do have a question because you mentioned it earlier. Missing on Devin Leary, is it possible that there may have been a little hesitancy on Auburn's end 
with a quarterback that just went through a significant, like catastrophic chest and pec injury that may not be able to go through spring practice, that there may have been some hesitancy for Auburn in that aspect? Uh, there might have been. I don't think so, though. You know, they hosted him on an official visit mm-hmm. with the goal of trying to land him. Um, and so, you know, unless something was discovered during that visit where they didn't feel as confident, um, then maybe, but not from anything that I've heard. You know, that was just, uh, I believe it was the LA Rams. Like somebody connected to the Rams went to Kentucky as the offensive coordinator that had a connection to Devin Leary. Um, and so that's really your only miss. Grayson McCall was just unfortunate. Every school in the country pretty much missed on him because Florida wanted him and couldn't get him either. So that I don't even count that as a miss. That's just unfortunate luck. Devin Leary was kind of a miss. Um, Auburn, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Auburn missed on Brennan Armstrong because they were more so looking at him, didn't host him on a visit. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really significant interest, and obviously we'll see with Spencer Sanders, but he never visited. Right. Um, I can confirm that. So. Well, he was supposed to, right? No, he was not. Oh, okay, okay. There was rumors that right. he was gonna he was gonna visit last weekend, and then I he ended up not happening. He actually made it over to Oxford, I believe. He did visit Ole Miss. Um, you know, if Auburn wants him, Auburn can still get him. It can still happen without a visit, and he can also visit this next weekend as well. Hmm. Um, but I'm just I'm not fully convinced that Auburn is a hundred percent bought in on Brendan and Spencer Sanders. You know, we'll see. Transfers are really tricky to track, but I'm just not a hundred percent sold. Right, on and I would ask you where should Auburn go for a quarterback but like you said transfers are tricky and it's it's hard to predict who Auburn could go after and who's in the portal because like you said earlier even in the spring you could see guys enter the portal as well do you think Auburn waits that long uh I mean time is running out now what is it that is today the 11th today is the yes. 11th yes. so you know for a classes start today for, yeah for a transfer to be able to go through spring practice you would only have a week to get them on campus because at Auburn students have to be enrolled in classes by the 18th at the latest so you would theoretically have a week if you wanted a guy to get in for spring practice i think auburn would like that i don't know if that's going to end up being a realistic timeline so if that's the case what you're probably going to end up seeing is a guy coming in after spring practice you know they either lose a job somewhere else or they don't you know they don't win the job and they're deciding to transfer out um i mean that you could probably do a lot worse there's probably going to be some pretty talented guys high four stars maybe even former five stars you look at like george's quarterback room has been floated around a bunch you look at the guys there that could be sitting on the bench um so auburn will be an attractive you know if auburn doesn't get a quarterback now auburn will be a very attractive destination for quarterbacks after the spring we have christian clemente of auburn 247 joining us in studio for all of our number two he does recruiting and tracks it extremely well we're talking to him about auburn football and the transfer portal auburn football recruiting in the high school ranks we'll get to that in just a little bit we'll go ahead and get to our first break here in hour number two we'll get to the phone lines matt hold on you'll be first up when we come back here on the wednesday edition of on the line the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Matt, you're on the line. We appreciate you holding on through the break, man. What you got? Hey, um, just curious on Calzada. He, he's gone. He's graduated, right? He transferred. Yeah, he just transferred yes. to Incarnate Word. I believe that happened in the last 48 hours or so. Yesterday, I think. Is that Calzada from Incarnate Word? Yeah, he, he transferred to Incarnate Word, yes. Okay, so he, he can't come back and, and transfer again, can he? I, I doubt you would see him 
backtrack on that at this point. Uh, Christian, do you have any thoughts on that? No, no, it's it's done. He'll go to <laughs> he'll go to Incarnate Word for this next season, and so, I get, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I, I think maybe he has two years of eligibility left, but he'll be he'll be down there at an Incarnate Word. So why can't Ashford transfer because he hasn't graduated yet? Well, he's transferred once already from Oregon to Auburn, and I don't think he's graduated. No, so like, I mean, if he does transfer again, he would have to sit out an entire season. Which at that point, like, why not just stay at Auburn and graduate for that year? Especially because he's so, close but, to home now. But didn't Calzada transfer twice within one year? So Calzada gr- actually graduated at Texas A and M because I saw the videos of him walking across stage at graduation. So he can he can grad transfer. Okay. And then there was that. There was the whole one-time thing with in the conference. It, it got really messy there for a couple of years with COVID and everything. It all kind of got messed up. But yeah, Zach Calzada has transferred uh, to a Division II school. Robbie Ashford. I don't think he will transfer because I think he has a legitimate chance to start if it's not this coming year down and, the road. And, and I think he's extremely excited about the potential in Hugh Freeze's offense. I mean, he just saw what uh, he just saw what. Malik Willis did in Hugh Freeze's mm-hmm. offense, and I know that they're a little bit different. I think Robbie Ashford's probably a much faster. He's he's taller, faster. Maybe doesn't have the thickness to him, but uh, similar kind of dual threat quarterback kind of guys. Right, Matt. We appreciate the call, man. Talking a little uh, uh, transfer portal with Zach Calzada. Yeah, he goes to Incarnate Word. Um, good for him. Hopefully, everything works out for him. Obviously, didn't really say, get a shot at Auburn, but the Incarnate Word quarterbacks the past couple of years have put up some really big numbers. Yeah, so they maybe, have. Maybe he puts up some some numbers this year. Dear, yeah, it's definitely possible. <laughs> no, like no, that it's was like, not confident. No, it's like it's definitely like it's definitely possible. And like, I didn't want to disrespect the kid, but my first thought when I saw the news was like, how did Brian Horston and Auburn decide that this was their guy? Well, I mean, you, does that really confuse you at this so point, many though? Questions about <laughs> no. the Brian Harson tenure like that? Though? No, it doesn't necessarily surprise me. Look, I hope the kid does really, really well, and right. I wasn't trying to disrespect no, him. No, 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 we're messing with you. It was just kind of like, hmm, that's right. That's well, their, their quarterback this year threw for four thousand six hundred eighty-six yards and sixty touchdowns. Holy smokes, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. And we know Calzada can throw it. I mean, we know now he is, you know, still coming off injury, all that type of stuff, and surgery and all that. But look, good for him hopefully he is uh, able to go down there and and be successful but we have christian clemente of auburn 247 joining us in the studio Uh, i call him the recruiting guru because that's what he is and we've been talking the transfer portal we're going to get in and break down the high school recruits coming up in just a little bit but christian of the transfer portal guys that auburn has picked up so far you don't have to rank them all of them but if you were to just say the the biggest names and the biggest impact players that Auburn has gotten so far out of the portal who would it be and why uh I mean first off you obviously have to look at the three offensive linemen that they've gotten I think that's Mm -hmm. a pretty clear answer that we were doing a podcast earlier and it was we were going to rank the 10 it was like well everyone's gonna have the same three at the top just in some form or fashion um of those three my favorite would probably be Dylan Wade because he has multiple years of eligibility left um and you know, the thing that you always say in recruiting, especially when you're looking at three stars or looking at guys that are a little lower ranked, look at who Auburn beat out to get those guys. Um, and, you know, we have Dylan Wade as the number three offensive tackle in the transfer portal. So obviously he's already very highly rated. But as soon as he entered the portal, it was just it was USC, Ohio State, um, ton of other big, big power five schools offering him. And it's Auburn that ends up landing him. So you get you get him and you get multiple years of eligibility with it as well. So that's very good. 
Uh, you know, Avery Jones is obviously great. Gunnar Britton is get great for the 2023 seasons because they only have one year left. Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys. I like Rivaldo Fairweather's game a lot, and he has two years of eligibility left as well. He could be really, really fun in Hugh Freeze's offense. Defensively, I think my personal favorite is probably Auburn circling back and landing Demario Tolan this mm-hmm. time. I, I love that pickup. Absolutely. I love that pickup from I LSU. I think he walks in the door and starts this year. I do too. I I, and and I, I think Auburn might not be done going and picking up young linebackers that that have a chance to come in and make an immediate impact multi yeah. multi-year guys and again to loop back to where what i was saying to start this whole conversation is it's nice and exciting to see that auburn has a coach and a coaching staff that can sit down and look at the roster and say okay these are the positions we need to address before 2023 gets here and they've gone and gotten most of those guys yes it was uh, you know his former montgomery advertiser writer josh vitale that i saw on twitter you guys mm-hmm. i think it was yesterday said you know you can't rebuild a whole offensive line in the future of the offensive line in one year but it's nice to see a coaching staff finally recognizing they need to do that yeah because yeah. you know as soon as brian harson came in it was like okay the offensive line needs to be reworked for the future. You know, you've got a couple years, you've got one or two years left with these guys. They ended up getting two years out of them, but it was like they've got to start reworking it immediately. And they get EJ Harris out of Auburn High, and they get Colby Smith as a late addition in the 2021 class. And that's that's it. They didn't get any transfers. They got those two high school guys, and that's it. And you know, in this class alone, with transfers, JUCOs, and high schoolers, Auburn has eight. Gosh. And they're not done there. That's so. crazy, man. How about the fact that what? Yeah, the Auburn since 2017 signed, I believe, four offensive tackles, and they've signed four this month. Yeah, and it, then you have the 16 offensive linemen from 2017 to now, and they or well, till this past month where they picked up eight. Yeah. So you have from 20 the 2017 class to the 2022 class, you picked up 16 high school offensive linemen and in this class alone you've picked up half of that gosh yeah that's so crazy and and again we we will get into the high school recruiting because i do want to break that down now that you christian you kind of said that has obviously slowed down obviously you'll have the technical signing day in february but we'll break down the early signing day and all that because we haven't had a full chance to talk to you about all of that but the the concern with some Auburn fans coming out of the early signing day was okay Auburn addressed both both offensive and defensive lines but maybe they're missing some of those linebackers and skill players and stuff like that Auburn went to the portal to get those guys yeah exactly I think one of the biggest concerns was linebacker like when you went to our message board or when I would go on Twitter I would see tweets constantly well what is Auburn doing at linebacker what is Auburn doing at linebacker they didn't sign any linebackers in December what are they doing at linebacker well, they picked up Demario Tolan, who has three years of eligibility left and can probably compete for playing time right away. Auburn is heavily in the mix already with Ole Miss linebacker Austin Keys, who entered mm-hmm. the portal a couple days ago. I was about to ask ago. you about him. Yep. Auburn's in the mix for him. I think Auburn would ideally like to land him. I think he has two years of eligibility left. And how about that? Two SEC West linebackers that Auburn has tra- – one, they've gone after one and they're going after another. Yeah, exactly. So those are kind of – you know, those, I mean, those are future guys in a sense. Both of them have multiple years of eligibility left, and both of them can compete for playing time right away in 2023. So I think linebacker was probably the biggest need that was still left there. Um, you know, obviously Cam Riley, Wesley Steiner, and Desmond Tisdall all returned, but when they got extended playing time for the first time in 2022, they all kind of left something to be desired. Um, and so you felt like you had to kind of recruit over them in a sense 
and bring in guys to compete for playing time. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, when you look at Austin Keys as a potential addition, I think he might actually have, if he uses his COVID year, he might have three years left because of he was in that 2020 class and then he they have him listed as a redshirt freshman in 2021, but I guess he, he that's just a free year. So I guess he still has that technically COVID year, but well, but he's played the he's played the two years since then. He's played 2021 and 2022. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, but, but he also he got injured in 2021 and only played like six games. So he could get maybe he could get a medical redshirt for that or something. I don't know. Either way, he has two maybe three years of eligibility. So, but yeah, I mean, we, when you talk about this linebackers room, and this is what I was um, kind of hoping to get to, everybody in that room was there anybody in 2022 that to y'all exceeded expectations because i i don't think so no i mean cam riley had a great first game and then tailed off after that and then papo i I thought he played maybe he had his worst season at Auburn. well the linebackers didn't play up to expectations but auburn has addressed that so far and i'm with you i don't think they're done in the transfer portal we have christian clemente of auburn 247 we'll talk to auburn high school recruiting when we come back Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, joined by Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 in the studio for hour number two, talking all things Auburn football recruiting, transfer portal, and high school recruiting. We're going to get to the phone lines because Terry has a question for Christian about high school recruiting. Hey, Terry. Hey, guys. Good afternoon to y'all. Good afternoon uh, to you as well. I'm going to ask Christian. Um, you know, last year there was all this talk about the recruiting class. The, the, the talent in the state was just enormous. How does next year look? You know, 2024 is – I don't even want to call it a down year. There's still a lot of really talented players in the state. It's not as loaded as 2023 just because 2023 was, like, historic. Yeah, um, it may have been, it, what, the best ever potentially. Yeah, yeah, if you want to look ahead, though – the 2025 class is probably going to rival the 2023 class. I know that's two years ahead, and you're asking about 2024. 2024, I would consider, you know, if we're grading it on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd say the 2023 is like a 10. 2024 is maybe like a 6, 6.5, six 7. The 2025 looks like it's setting up to be like a 9. It's, so kind of follow-up to that, are we seeing a growth in high school football in the state of Alabama where we're going to see more really high level classes more consistently in your mind probably i would think so yeah okay so you're talking about a bunch of guys that are sophomores right now sophomores that'll be yeah that'll end up being juniors this fall yep okay uh the question i had is about the the offensive linemen how many our offensive linemen you got out of the portal how many of the what's the total from high school and the portal quite honestly uh right now it's at eight so they've landed three transfer portal guys uh i want to say it's which seems like more than that it does, yeah, but you've picked up your tackles. You've picked up your center. Let's see, you got uh, you got four high schoolers, and you have the one JUCO edition as well. Okay. Certainly, uh, how many offensive linemen does, does a roster like to carry? About 12 maybe? You certainly want to be too deep. Pro- I would say probably around probably around 12 to 14, anywhere in that range. You, know, you want your 10 guys, um, and then you want to find your best five from there, but you definitely want at least 12. Okay. Now, the little running back y'all were talking about, the guy in South Florida that y'all were just talking about, smaller. Now, I like guys like that because they can kind of hide behind those big old linemen. You can't find them. By the time you find them, it's too late. Right. 
does, does he fit into a scheme like the Akatero McCaleb did? That's a good question. I honestly need to watch a little bit more of his film. He's a he's a really fun player. Um, from the little bit that I've seen, he's kind of a. Uh, you people instantly were comparing him to Sean Shivers. I don't he's think, very, I don't he's think very different. Yes, he's very different. Sean Shivers was very small but very physical. He just wanted to go and run over somebody. And I don't think he was ever that shifty. I think I think yes. Batty is a good bit yes. more shifty. I think he's more patient. From watching his highlights against Florida, watching him let things develop because he disappears behind offensive line because he's 5'8". Yeah, exactly. He's definitely a lot more shifty than Sean Shivers ever was. I would think it would be a lot more faster, too. Uh, Shivers was, Shivers Shivers was, was quick. Like yeah. Second or third fastest guy on, on Auburn's roster for a couple really? of years there. Oh, he was he oh, was, yeah, a, he was, he was quick. Guy. He he came in with Schwartz, and both of them, both of them ran track, I think, at least yeah. one year, didn't they? Yep. Well, he ran between the tackles like he got away 225 or 230. <laughs> yeah. Well, his center of gravity was on the ground because he was so short that he's hard to bring down a little bit. And like Carter said, yeah. he was he would seek out somebody to run over. If they weren't in his line Xavier of sight, he would find them. Yep. Xavier McKinney. That's right. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, appreciate it, Terry. It's always good to hear from you, man. That is Terry joining us here on On the Line. We'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. Talking recruiting with Christian Clemente from Auburn 247. So, Christian, as we kind of start to wrap up 2023, in the early part of this 2024 class, how are things looking for Auburn? I know the four-star receiver commit very highly rated for Alabama. Perry Thompson's going to be on campus this weekend. And then – uh I guess as far as Alabama receiver commits goes, 2025 guy that I'm extremely interested in, Ryan Williams, do you see Auburn kind of climbing into that battle as well? Uh, And Auburn legacy. Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I've actually heard some rumors that he could reclassify to the class of 2024. Um, So if that's torched Mountain Brook in the state championship game for 6A. He is, after watching him play, you know, he was a sophomore this past year. He might have been the best overall player in the state. He was he he could be like your Julio Jones like he is absolutely incredible. Um, so Auburn, you know, Marcus Davis hasn't reoffered him yet, but I would expect Auburn to go back after Ryan Williams very shortly. Um, so we'll kind of see what happens there. You know, looking at the early twenty twenty four class, look, there's a lot a lot of rebuilding that's going to have to happen um, just in terms of relationships i guess you could say i mean you're gonna have to build relationships with these guys you're also gonna have to kind of mend the bridges from the previous staff that were burned slightly has that already been surely that's already been happening that's what i was gonna ask right i mean surely i mean because they would have not have hugh freeze and company would not have gotten who they got in this 23 class if they did not mend some of those relationships yeah it definitely has been um and so you know that's been an ongoing process when coaches were able to go out on the road um in december um, and then this month of January will be very big, starting this Friday um, until I believe January 30th. Recruits can come out, um, come on campus for visits. Um, and, you know, a lot of this month is junior day, kind of getting 2024s in. Auburn's junior day is set for the 28th. So we'll kind of see how it shakes out. But this month will be big for Auburn. I think Auburn should be able to get a nice little head start on the class. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you already have a Mon Lane. You have Adrian Posse, although I do not expect him to be in Auburn's class. I agree with you there. So you probably have just him on lane and then kind of move forward from there. So who do you expect to be Auburn's next 2024 commit, and why is it Jamarian Burnett who feels like he is just <laughs> tweeting nonstop at Cadillac Williams about Auburn stuff on yeah, Twitter? Yeah, it could, it could certainly be him. Um, 
He is for those who haven't he's watched really him. He's really big. He's he's massive. He's a very fun player His out of Andalusia. Is fat with a ph. Yep. Um, he's listed. I want to say at six one, like two fifteen, probably closer mm-hmm. to like six two two twenty. Um, I went to one of his games this year, and let me tell you, when that guy is running at you, it is a scary sight because he got you, pushed. You out. lay down and die. Yeah, he right. got he got pushed out of bounds directly at me, and <laughs> that was that was concerning. Was your lateral movement quick enough to get out of the way? Uh, it actually was. Did wow. your life flash before your eyes for a second? Yes. All that golf you play with that <laughs> lateral quickness, you know. But yeah, uh, I think there's a good chance he could end up in the class for sure. I think Cadillac Williams. I mean. Obviously, when Cadillac Williams got retained, um, Cadillac has been on this guy for a while. So if Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery like him, then you have a pretty easy inroad there. Another one that I would look at as potentially an early commit would be Jaden Lewis, uh, the cornerback out of Anniston. He's got a really, really good relationship with Zach Etheridge. He's got a pretty solid offer list so far. I know Tennessee likes him a lot, but he's built up a really good relationship with Zach. Um, he'll be back for junior day later this this month. And I'm, I'm not saying he's going to commit this month, but... He seems to really, really like Auburn so far. Just looking at this 2024 class in the state of Alabama, there may not be as many super high-end, elite, five-star caliber guys, but it feels like that that four-star layer is extremely deep. Uh, And then you you made a comment about uh, Posse being committed to Auburn right now and not expecting him to be in the class. If they're not going to take him, who would be some people to look at for, for... uh, quarterback for Auburn in this 24 class. I know Aaron Noland is a guy that Auburn fans seem to always drool over and really <laughs> want. Uh, is that somebody that you kind of expect to be the top priority for Auburn? Uh, I think he's up towards the top, but I think someone else is actually at the top right now, and I think that's Walker White, mm. the quarterback out of Little Rock, Arkansas, if I remember correctly. He's the number eight quarterback, I want to say, in our rankings. Um, Ole Miss has been on him heavily. Clemson has been on him heavily. And now Auburn, um, this new staff, is in on him. They really, really like what he brings in the RPO game. Um, pretty athletic guy, pretty built guy. Aaron Noland is obviously still kind of there on the board. We'll see what happens with him. I think he's probably trending Texas A&M right now because Texas A&M has been on him pretty heavily. I think A&M has identified him as kind of their guy, their number one guy. Um, and so – you know, this month will be very interesting to see because quarterbacks definitely go off the board pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Auburn, well, it's kind of like the centerpiece of the class, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And so we'll see kind of what happens. I, I don't think it'll end up being Adrian Posse though. It'll be it'll be someone else in my mind. Well, we've seen Auburn really in in what the three weeks that Hugh Freeze and his staff were here. He was building the staff while recruiting. He revived a 2023 class that ended up being top 20 in the country. Right then, he has turned around and gone into the transfer portal and got gotten double digit players now and is highly ranked in transfer portal rankings i think it's important to ask the question and and obviously you're the right person to ask because you're around it so much what is it that hugh freeze and this staff have done in the last month five weeks six weeks that they've been here what are they doing to get guys to buy into what auburn's selling um besides auburn being auburn and guys committing because it's auburn we know auburn can get guys because of that what are hugh freeze and the guys doing to get these players to commit yeah i think that's certainly the biggest part of it look i've said it before on the show and it sounds kind of blasphemous but like recruiting at auburn isn't that hard like it shouldn't be that difficult as the previous staff and even gus Malzahn's staff towards the end was making it like it a lot of kids want to come to Auburn. Auburn has a lot to like about it just when you show up and visit. So it really shouldn't have been as difficult as it was. 
part of it is Auburn staff just, I mean, doing their job and actually recruiting. <laughs> Trying. Um, to be, yes, yeah. to be blatantly honest. Um, well, Kel- Keltrick Falk, he did the inter- didn't he do an interview where he said in three and a half weeks he had a better relationship with this new staff and Hugh Freeze than he did with Brian Harson and like he always wanted to go to Auburn. Yeah, yeah, he told just, us it was a Brian Harson and his staff issue. Yeah, he told us that uh, when he was there for the All American Bowl in San Antonio. But I mean, it's just kind of like I don't know. I, a lot of it is that. A lot of it is also you know new staffs have an advantage when they first start. These guys have never lost. They have never lost a game at Auburn. They can perfectly sell their vision because no one can discount them and say. You know, look what they did on the field last fall. That wasn't you freezing this staff. So, you know, they can That's sell fair. that new vision. They can sell that new energy, um, that excitement level. It becomes infinitely more difficult this fall when, you know, you pick up your first loss. But Auburn has that advantage right now um, of kind of new energy. And just like we always say, and like you just said, Auburn sells Auburn. It's not once you get kids on campus, it's not as difficult as it should have been recently to land commitments and signees yeah and and you've had that take like you said multiple times on this show talking about how if you get guys here auburn sells auburn and it, it, it boils down to Hugh Freeze and this staff trying, giving an effort, and understanding what yes. it takes to be successful in the SEC, which is something that a lot of people said would be an advantage if Auburn went the Hugh Freeze route instead of Lane Kiffin, whatever, or somebody outside of the SEC, where Hugh Freeze knows what it takes, and it seems like he is taking advantage of the second chance that he's been given in the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. That's the biggest thing with recruiting now. You have to be proactive. I, you know, Not to just keep dumping on the old staff, but I don't think Auburn's old staff was proactive. I, I think they were very much in a mindset of you know, the best players should want to come to Auburn. We're in the SEC West. They should want to play for us. We can develop them. We can get them to the top. And you know, and they were doing that instead of going out and saying, we need you. We need you to come here. It was more of, you know, wait for them to show up and then get them then. it You know, Auburn's staff has been much more proactive, much quicker, sending out offers, reaching out to kids, talking to kids. Um, the evaluation process seems like it's been much quicker. Like, I, I don't know. Just a lot has changed in a lot of good ways. For in Auburn. your estimation, this is a theory that I've had for a very long time. This last staff, do you think that that kind of complacency and lack of effort is born out of the fact that at Boise State, that staff really could kind of sit on its laurels? And uh, Boise State, because of what Chris Peterson had built, it recruited itself and they were always going to get the number one recruiting class in the Mountain West. They're going to have the most talent no matter what. Uh, that's probably a really good theory, and I would probably agree <laughs> with that, just in the sense of it, it's totally different recruiting the SEC, certainly from the Mountain West, and certainly where you go from a school where it's expected that you get the number one overall recruiting class pretty much every year, and it's not that difficult to do it, compared to Auburn where you are just in an absolute dogfight with mm-hmm. Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, LSU, Florida, A&M. Miami, A&M. Uh, the list goes on, and you have to be recruiting 24-7, 365. And the previous staff, it just didn't feel like understood that. Yeah, and, and we've had this conversation, Carter and I have. The, the success of Hugh Freeze and company has been 
drastic. It's been just so noticeable that it's impossible to not talk about it. But I think there's a there's a fine line of it's extremely impressive and what they're doing, but you're also comparing it to just how bad the previous staff was. Yeah, right? that, it, it's just it's it's hard to find that line, but there is a little bit of both. Yeah, that's what I've been saying. Look, people were asking me like, how impressive is it? I was like, well, it couldn't have gotten any worse, <laughs> but it's yeah. definitely you know it's. It's not like, oh, it just got better. It's like it definitely improved in areas where you can visibly see a big difference for the future. You know, moving forward, it feels like Auburn will be in a good spot recruiting. And I like how you put it where this first year, there's no knocks on this staff. You're right. After one season where there's some hardships, maybe a loss or two or three or four, where then other staffs can say, yeah, but if you go there, look what happens. And now players can look at the negative sides of it. This is a clean slate for a whole new coaching staff. So year one should be like this. Year two may be the toughest one because then you have to bounce back and you have to go and recruit for yourself with some negatives. Christian, this may be a totally unfair question to ask you. <laughs> Christian's never going to come back if you ask something. With what this staff has done in a month on the job, with the talent that they have brought in, how much have they risen the floor and raised the ceiling going into 2023 and beyond? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, risen the floor by quite a bit. I mean, you were looking at next year's roster for Auburn, and it was— Well, I mean, the offensive line— There there, there was not one. Between, non-existent. Between, I don't know if you know this, but the three guys they are bringing in have more than double the amount of snaps in 2022 than the rest of the returning offensive line that Auburn has coming back. Huh. Yeah, More than double. Right. Yeah. Because it's 800 snaps, 800 snaps, and 1,000 snaps coming in. And you had 1,100 snaps total between all the other bodies at Auburn. <laughs> yeah. You know, in terms of floor, I think the floor has risen quite a bit. And, you know, that'll continue as Auburn gets more guys because, look, Auburn's roster was in a bad spot going into next <laughs> year. I mean, you had one edge guy returning, you mm-hmm. had like six defensive linemen in total. Like it was, offensive line was obviously a disaster. Um, so the floor is definitely risen quite a bit i don't know about the ceiling just to be honest like i just i i don't know how all these players mesh together i don't know how you know we haven't seen a single jason caldwell was just talking about it on our podcast earlier today like this staff hasn't even had time to talk about football yet right they haven't had time to talk about philosophies hugh freeze and philip montgomery have probably not had too much time at all to talk about how they want to run mm-hmm. the offense um so you know it'll be interesting uh when you when you raise the floor like auburn has i would imagine the ceiling raises as well and maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle like LSU or like some of these other teams where you overturn the roster like crazy through the portal and you just kind of, I don't want to say you get lucky, but everything meshes together really, really well. That's certainly a possibility. I, I just don't know. What I do know is that Auburn is not in danger of being a horrendous SEC West team. Well, I've been saying that it's easy to get caught up in the excitement of recruiting in the transfer portal because Auburn has been doing so well. But over the next couple of months, we'll continue to talk about it. But after that... It comes down to what does this team look like in the spring? What does this team look like in the summer? What do they look like in the fall? How do they develop? How do they mesh? What does the offense and defense look like? And how does this team perform come August? That's what the turn the focus will turn to over the next few months as we get close to the start of 2023. We got to get to our final break. We'll come back, wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line with Christian Clemente of Auburn 247. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. 
Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, joined by Christian Clemente of Auburn 247. Christian, we appreciate you coming by. Man, it's been it's been a little bit... Uh, I, the funniest thing that I've seen from you over the last few weeks is when you posted a picture on Twitter of the temperatures in your hometown over Christmas, <laughs> and you said, this is why I'm not going home for Christmas, and it was negative 60 degrees. That's unbelievable. Yeah, that was uh, that would have been right around when I was going home. Combined with the fact that flights were like fifteen hundred dollars to go back home, and flying was and insane, just yeah. like it is now. So it was. It kind of seemed like a no brainer to just hang out in Auburn for a little bit, Gosh. gain get a little bit of extra rest after signing day. And I'm glad I did because these past couple of weeks have been just as chaotic. Really up there. What's no, it been? Oh, no, no, no. Just oh, like oh, here, here. here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, it, it's a busy time for you. And like I said, I saw that and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> that is horrible. But, um, well, Christian, before we get out of here, we have a few minutes left. I want you to be able to plug all your stuff with Auburn 247. You do such a good job with rec- recruiting over there. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything that you're doing, man. Yeah, so it's all over there at AuburnUndercover.com. Auburn247.com gets you there as well. Um, we've had a ton of coverage. Every time there's been a transfer, obviously, we have the story. We've had commitment analysis, a depth chart impact, ideally a story with them afterwards, um, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. So it's all over there on the site. And then you can follow me on Twitter at cclemente247. Look, it's going to be a busy month for Auburn. Starting this Friday, everything gets going again. Um, Obviously, the February 1st signing day is approaching. I don't think Auburn's going to be too busy in terms of high school guys. I think that's by design, though. I think it's going to be more so transfers. um, And we'll see those over the next couple of weeks here. Hopefully, for my own sake, it dies down a little bit. <laughs> um, I think it will. You know, you're not going to pick up ten more guys before right. yeah, so next you, Wednesday. But are you saying the like 72 hour period where Auburn picks up eight guys is a little too much for you right now? Uh, you know, it was just it, it was a long few days that January 4th through January 8th transfer window. Uh, Jason Caldwell and I went over to the new football center. We would basically get there around 8:39 in the morning, maybe go grab lunch for like an hour in between, and leave around like five or six and I mean, we're just sitting on the couch in the lobby there all day. Look at you working so. a nine to five, Christian. Look at that. <laughs> question, I like no, that. I just, question for you here: Before I guess January eighteenth, the last day, uh, Auburn, you can enroll in classes. How many more commits? Just gut feeling. Do you think Auburn picks up in the transfer portal? Um, I'll say three. Okay. I have no names to necessarily <laughs> go behind that. I mean, there's obviously some names we're tracking, like Damian George from Alabama, the Oklahoma State guys, and Spencer Sanders and Bryson Green, Justin Rogers from Kentucky. You know, we're transferring those or we're tracking those guys, and there will probably be some guys that show up this weekend for visits as well. So I'm not going to give you names because, in all honesty, I don't know. Just about anybody could do the job I've been doing over the past couple of days and just you know, show up to the complex, interview a kid, and then af- uh, write about it afterwards. There's not a lot of intel behind transfers because it goes so quickly, but I'll say three guys. What's okay. the percent chance that one of those three is a quarterback? I'll say mm. 30% chance. <laughs> he said with a question mark at the end of it. Christian Clemente <laughs> of Auburn 247. Man, we appreciate you as always. Uh, quickly, very, very quickly, your thoughts on Auburn basketball. Yeah, uh, impressive win last night, and it's especially an impressive win against Arkansas. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say I gave up on the team, but I was – not necessarily I think a enjoying. Lot of people were close. Yeah, I was not necessarily enjoying watching them play. Uh, but these past two games have been a lot of fun to watch. Alan Flanagan has been very fun to watch. Hopefully, Chris Moore is healthy because they can't really afford that loss. Mm. Um, but 
this team has turned it around. It's been fun. Janai Broom has been really, really good. Yeah, Auburn basketball playing well. Christian Clemente, he does recruiting and transfer portal stuff for Auburn 247, joining us in the studio for the entire second hour. Man, we thank you so much. Appreciate you. We're out of here. We have a show tomorrow, show on Friday. We got Lee Scott tomorrow as well. It's a busy into the week. Come back tomorrow, same time here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.